Hello and welcome to the 138th edition of the Guna Podcast. My name is Kevin Witcher and I'm stepping in for our usual host, Mr. Mark Ollington, who has important business affairs in other countries, nothing to do with FIFA, so I understand, but uh, he certainly can't be here tonight. We are recording on the Tuesday evening after the FA Cup final win against Aston Villa. So we're anticipating an enjoyable hour, and as usual, we are hosted by the fabulous Pybury Corner, and uh, I will tell you that my pundits tonight have enjoyed um, a pie named The Ox, a pie named Tony Adams, <coughs> one called Ray Parlour, and I have had a Charlie George. This is not an exercise in cannibalism, but uh, <laughs> these are the names they give to some fantastic flavoured pies they serve here. Also, would like to say thanks to Paul for the organisation of an open-top bus, which took me to Wembley on Saturday, and such was the enthusiasm aboard that by the time I arrived at the stadium, I didn't have a voice left, but uh, <laughs> never mind, enjoyed everything thoroughly. So now on to introduction of this evening's panel. I'll keep this fairly short and sweet, as it's uh, the usual bunch. Um, first up, publisher of the Guna, um, the man behind the Guna fanzine Twitter feed. It's a good evening to Mr. Mike Francis. Good evening. Next to him is Hampstead tall, Hampstead's tallest man, and the editor of the Village Voice, and a sometime fan of Santi Cazorla. It's a warm welcome to Mr. Mustafa Goldstein. Hello. And next to him, uh, last but by no means least, a man whose love life I am <laughs> eagerly awaiting the book of. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought I was mine. Well, no, you haven't written yours, so no, right, you, okay. he, I'm waiting for his Are now. You do one as well. Well, no, it's tonight I've been fed the ox, so I will score. Mm. That's how it works. I've, right? I've given up on you, best. <laughs> um, anyway, general media whore about town. He also applied for a job in the legal department at Arsenal, <laughs> and they decided that, given his Guna connections, he was the last man they wanted to employ. Hello to Mr. David Udo. Evening, everybody. Right, so I think the obvious place to start is last Saturday. And, uh, well, let's have your experience of the FA Cup final. David, were you at the stadium? Uh, I thought you were talking about that dog winning Britain's Got Talent. Uh, FA, Cup final. <laughs> FA Cup final it is. Then. Um, yes, I was. I, I got very lucky. Uh, my family, all three of us, went in for a ballot. And um, although um, we're two scenic goals and a club photographer, I got lucky and the other two didn't. And, uh, yeah, I was on the edge of um, the Arsenal and penalty area. Lovely. Okay. Basti, did you? Oh, sorry, Mustafa, did you? <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> right. Uh, Mark, Mark Ollington outed me in the last corner <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes, the uh, I went. I actually didn't get a ticket for the final, so I went to the Emirates and, or should I say, Arsenal Stadium, as I prefer to call it, and thoroughly enjoyed a 
bloody great day. Plenty of chanting? Plenty of chanting. It was, do you know what? It's as close. I went to the semi final, mm-hmm. and it, you know what? I actually prefer this to that bloke who barks at Wembley all the time. I mean, the tannoy system at Wembley is just so annoying. I don't know if it was for the final, but for the semi final, I was just this bloke bleating at us for about, you know, 45 minutes before the game. So it was nice to watch it from home, and it really felt like home. And God, it felt even more like home when. Uh, well, we'll get into the uh, goals and things which, later. Which sides of the stadium were basically populated? All but four. All four. All four. Four screens this time. Last year was two screens. Right. Uh, screens, just the uh, uh, West Stand and North Bank. All four screens this time, uh, all the way round, and they actually allowed us a bit of space to go and invade the pitch, which people took advantage of and invaded the bit of uh, pitch they weren't meant to invade, which was where the screens were. But um, on the whole, it was a br- just absolutely brilliant experience. And lower tier and upper tier. Um, I've got an upper tier seat for a fiver. Mind you, when you're looking at a screen, it doesn't make much difference, uh, apart from the fact, you know, I, I actually. Because I'm such a sort of nervous cup final person, I really enjoyed it because I could get up and sort of walk around to places where there wasn't anyone and spread out, sort of pace up and down a bit and be a bit nervous, um, <laughs> which ceased to happen after yeah. you know who got the second goal. Exactly. Um, great day. I'll tell you what, if, if we do it again next year, frankly, for a fiver, to be at home at, at Arsenal Stadium with all your own, no opposition there, very pleasant experience. Recommended to anybody. Oh, great. Um, and you got a free scarf as and they handed out scarves to everyone as we came in we got all the all the perks yeah. and uh, bloody good value is all I'm well, saying Mike we did get something extra at the stadium as you were there we, 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 we got a flag we got a flag, flag. Yeah, yeah, no, we, 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 I was there and I, yeah, I, got, I got a flag as well 75 I, quid flag 100 I, flag yeah I, I, I do wish I'd gone round afterwards and picked up a few of the ones that were thrown away because I gather they're doing a roaring trade on eBay and would have uh, easily covered the cost of my, my Wembley ticket um, but but, but yeah, fortunately I was there. Even though you, you've sold me on on being at, at the stadium next year, perhaps. Yeah, it was nice at half time to go in and just be at home, mm-hmm. you know, just to be up the north bank. I watched the whole thing from the north up the north bank. It was brilliant. You know. okay. Well, let's talk about the game itself. I mean, uh, there can't there can't have been many more enjoyable finals in terms of the actual game. Mm. Well, I think it was our best we'll come back to this later I'm sure but I thought this was our best performance of the season we would have beaten anyone on Saturday all 11 players played really really well I, I thought Herzl in particular was man of the match to, um, even though everyone is agreeing on the, on the Cazorla I thought well maybe it was the angle I was sitting at I mean some of the balls that Herzl were playing they, they were unbelievable but we were absolutely delicious we would have beaten Brazil 82 on Saturday would have beaten the Harlem Globetrotters on, on crack or something we were I thought we were absolutely wonderful and um, in fairness to Villa they were time wasting as soon as the game kicked off in fairness taking their time over goal kicks and whatever um, you know they, they held their due as long as they could but you know as I mentioned we would have beaten anyone at all and um, yeah comfortable at half time but the the second goal uh, kind of killed the game off but um, I'll, I'll, I'll let our publisher uh, embellish on that Mr Udo <laughs> positive yeah I like this it's the new Mr Udo <laughs> um <laughs> the fact, uh, of, the uh, fact uh, I've got a new girlfriend is a sheer coincidence. Oh, right. Now we get to the detail. Oh, <laughs> this podcast has been postponed. Yeah, um, good week for you, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was a fabulous performance. I have to say, I, mean, I was expecting David to be the one that said it was only Villa and no rubbish. Um, and and I, I had my, my argument planned, but clearly he's not, not on the same wavelength as me. Um, uh, it was great. I mean, it was a fantastic performance. I, I'd have to say, I thought, um, you yeah, know, Villa, yeah, they were poor. 
Um, but we made them look poor. I thought. I thought one of the things we did really well in the first half. I, I noticed was I kept saying, "I stop the cross, stop the cross," and we were doing so. And when we didn't stop the cross, Chesney came out and yeah. punched it miles. I was like, "Wow, this is this is going well." <laughs> you know. I think um, it was the first time we saw our six foot eight inch tall real captain actually jump for a header. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. up against the, the the beast that is Ben Tecker. Ben Tecker. Mm. Yeah, I know, and yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was getting a little worried at, towards the end of the first half game. We go in nil nil here. That's going to be such a lift for Villa. Um, so very very relieved to see Theo's shot hit the back of the net, um, and when Sanchez's shot did likewise, and nearly burst the net at the opposite end. Um, well, that was game over, wasn't it? I believe you have a message for a certain uh, section of Villa supporters. Especially. Yes, I do. Um, this is. Um, I'd just like to say I, I, it came to light after the game that was I living in Norway. I might be saying, David Cameron, Prince William, Nigel Kennedy, Tom Hanks, Ozzy Osbourne, our boys gave you one hell of a beating. <laughs> That's sounded very Scottish to me. <laughs> well, I can't really do Norwegian, but uh, right. as for the cup final itself, um, my worry was that, my one worry was that if we didn't score, um, very much like Mike, that we might get this sort of 90 minute scenario of nil nil and it goes in off, you know, someone's arse, Benteke's bottom into the back of the net or something. And then when we scored, when we were 1 0 up, I still had that very slight, although in reality I was saying, look, this Villa side aren't good enough to come back from this because we're just, we just look so great. Mm. Um, that aside, I, there was this little thing Motti the night before had said, or was it that morning, whoever scores first will lose. And I was thinking, oh, John Watson knows a thing or two about football. Um, that having been said, he doesn't know jack shit now, does he? <laughs> he can sit his Tottenham fan. He's a Tottenham fan, isn't he? Is it Tottenham? Uh, I believe so. Tottenham sympathiser, yes. anyway. Yes. But to be fair, he did say, "Look at that! Oh, look at that!" That was him, wasn't it? And no, uh, that was Barry Davis. Yeah, it was Barry Davis. Oh, oh, well, there you go. Twenty nine Spurs. Oh, yeah. well, talking of uh, the concept of Jack shit, um, <laughs> one of our uh, seamless linkages Twitter followers, uh, Peter Squire. Um, tweeted, should Jack Wilshire be disciplined for the, by the club for shouting Tottenham in public with small children present? <laughs> what do we make of all that, gentlemen? I think that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it's obviously a very slow news day. And the yeah. Daily Mail, I saw the night before the Daily Mail put this video out of the celebration and started stirring. And it wasn't a news story, it was a news story. Mm. And they just started stirring. Because this is what... Believe it or not, Gooners do this. Mm. We have a go at Tottenham. They have a go at us. Tottenham fans will be embarrassed by this story, to be honest with you. Any football fan will. Um, and fair play to the Guardian for having a go and protecting Jack and saying, look, what, what are you talking about? It's a non-story. Yes, Tottenham are shit. You know, what, where's, what, where's the problem with that? And he did exactly the same last year as well. When we won the, the cup, I was there for that celebration. I wasn't there this time for that. But... The, um, it, it was such a non-story, you know. I wanted to go, I to go the likes of um, Niall Quinn. It, his piece that he did on Sky Sports News last night, um, live and exclusive from a very, very nice sunlit golf course somewhere in the West Indies. Thanks for taking time out for that, Niall, to have a whinge and a moan. Look, I know that, like Clive Allen, you're very bitter at being fobbed off by Arsenal and sold to another shitty club. But get over it, Niall. Seriously. Mm -hmm. As... as um, 
uh, what's your name say? Emmanuel Mustafa? Um, yeah, uh, yeah, there was no other story. I mean, if the transfer window was open at that point and the next star player was leaving Liverpool to go somewhere else, it'd be. And in other news, Jack Wilshire said, what, 60,000 people say at least 20 times a fortnight? No story. No, they were just but it, but it's on. social media, isn't it? I mean, it, 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 it kicked off on social media within minutes of it happening. Yeah. And, and like, you know, you go back 20 years when it was Ray Parler and Tony Adams and Merson and all that, giving it large on the town hall balcony. Never, you know, okay, there might have been a small comment in the next day's paper, but it wouldn't have been blown out of proportion like this one has. All I know that within the last couple of years, John Terry's been convicted by the Football Association of using severe racial language against another player, but he had a half an hour special on Sky Sports last week, so I guess he's been forgiven for extremely racist behaviour, but um, Jack Wilshire can't celebrate um, one northern, one North London club against another. Yeah, well, look, look, and another thing is, uh, actually, Jack Wilshire didn't even say anything bad about the, the worst word he said was shit, right? And, and otherwise he said, what do you think of Tottenham? And the other one was, my old fans would be a Tottenham fan. And, you know, the fans did the rest. So, to be honest with you, Oh, was he inciting Arsenal fans into singing that song? Oh, oh my God! You know, uh, you know, the press really need to look at themselves because they've gone all kind of politically correct. But look, there's nothing racist, nothing sexist, no isms at all. Is, is there a new word, Tottenhamist? I don't know. You know, what a load of rubbish. Right. Well, I uh, I like to mention everyone who's made the effort to tweet, and uh, I don't think we need to answer this. But Andrew Leighton Morris has tweeted, "What does the panel think of Tottenham?" I think the answer is pretty <laughs> obvious, but there we are. <laughs> Just in case there was any confusion. Um, moving on to another tweet. So this is from, from uh, I think it's probably Jason, but it's spelled J-A-S-N. Um, and uh, he has asked, have we progressed from last season? Um, let's start with you, Mike. I think we have. Um, you know, th- th- I think I've seen a lot of people arguing, and I've, I've, I've used the Guna Twitter feed for this as well. When, um, in the after the last game of the season, uh, where people were sort of saying, "Oh, we're going to finish with less points," and no, we haven't progressed. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, but points for me doesn't isn't the defining factor. Yeah, I, I, I can see why it comes into it, but I still think position counts most. That's the one that's relative to the other 19 teams in the division. You know, we, we finished third this year with fewer points than we finished fourth last year. So, does that mean we've progressed, or does it mean they've gone backwards? I don't know. We're probably a bit of both. But you know, I'm happier with third than I am with fourth. And the fact that we, you know, we retain the FA Cup, I think, see that as a progression. But I think more important than that is it's not just about position and points, or even trophies in, in, in the case of the FA Cup. It's the fact that there's been. It looks better. It feels like we're heading in the right direction. It feels like we can challenge for the title next year. Would you concur with that, Basti? I would. Um, consistently winning trophies, moving up the table, we are progressing. There's no question about it. Uh, our start to the season was wobbly, to say the least. Uh, and there were there was one defining moment for me. Actually, it wasn't winning away to Man City. It was Francis Coquelin. Um, replacing either Flamini or Arteta, which clearly had a very positive effect on the entire... You know, we basically almost found the Vieira. I mean, not quite, but someone who will tackle, someone who will protect the back four, someone who gets his hands dirty. And, uh, you know, all respect to Arteta and Flamini, they just weren't... They didn't have the, the gumption that Coquelin does. And I think since he's been in that, that back four... Uh, back, sorry, about five, rather, if you like. Um, uh, he's uh, certainly made a big difference. And I did notice, did he, correct me if I'm wrong, but he missed the couple of games, or at least one of those bad games at home we played. 
um, was Swansea or uh, the two games we lost at the end Sunderland. of the season? Sunderland. He, he, he left us Sunderland. He missed one one of those games. So it, it, for me, it's quite obvious. As soon as Cockerland's not there, there's a there's there's a week, there's a the back four don't have that protection they have with it. Well, uh, David, then my question to you is. Why wasn't that apparent last summer? Why wasn't what particular thing? That the team needed a better defensive player than the options the manager was considering at the season start, because we all know Coquelin was a bit of an accident. Um, was that a lack of judgment, or do you just think the club tried to get Schneidel in and weren't successful, or do you just think... Wenger was stubborn and just thought, you know, Arteta could do this job. I think in terms of just, uh, you know, keeping things steady for the time being, Arteta and Flamini both, both had a year left on their contract, let's get the value out of the money and let's face it, Arsenal works as a, an economic entity to that extent. And also as soon as he signed uh, Callum Chambers from Southampton, the first thing he said was long term, this man's defensive midfielder. Okay, over the course of the season that's gone from defensive uh, midfielder to centre half and back again two or three times but I think that was his long term aim and obviously in January we spent a fair bit of money on Christian Bielik from Ledger Vorsa um, so I think he's just going to tread water because ultimately um, Wenger's game is about creating more chances than the other team and it doesn't matter if we concede five because we'll, we'll score seven as we did against Newcastle a few years ago so I don't think that was his, his huge priority but as with a lot of things he, he kind of got lucky this year everyone got injured in terms of defensive midfield so uh, Coquelin had to be back in from Charlton's bench um, we had so many injuries at right back and Chambers have played so many games he looked knackered and out of place and our 27th choice Bellerin had to be thrown in got lucky like that and uh, apparently there was not so much a mini mutiny but Mertesacker who is the essentially the captain took to Wenger in the week leading to the Manchester City game and said look I know that you trust us in the sense that if we play our games to the best of our ability, we'll score more goals than the opposition. But these guys are too good. We need to soak it up. And we had a completely different approach to that game. And uh, we won 2-0 at the SAS Stadium. And you know, then you kind of got lucky with that. So I, I think in terms of you know uh, the way that we can adapt, the way that we play, uh, the way that we um, got lucky with our right-back, and again, the way we got lucky with our defensive midfielder, it is sheer luck. Um, it wasn't looked forward to last, uh, last summer. And um, yeah, we've got lucky. Okay. Um, By the way, I just want a small correction. Maybe not Vieira. Maybe more Gilberto. Okay. Um, the the Cockerland factor, I'd say. But still, that's somewhat. As long as he's not Danielson. And another thing, if you've ever seen Arteta in the flesh, he's a very small person. I mean, he's physically quite dainty. He's he's hardly the enforcer. So I don't I don't see how Wenger. Yeah. Wenger obviously just didn't think of that last season. I don't, I don't know what he was missing. I mean, we were all calling for a, a petite Vieira, weren't we? You know, well, absolutely. Um, uh, or, or one of the two, at least. But now it looks like we got one. Um, well, another tweet on um, a subject that uh, David touched upon comes from Dougie Cazorla. Um, I'm not sure if that's his real name, but uh, anyway. I'm <laughs> thinking not. He, um, he tweeted, does Bellerin or Debushi get more starts at right back next season? Um, obviously Debushi got injured after he made his comeback. In fact, he didn't play very well in the semi-final, but who knows how fit he was. Um, one assumes they'll both be uh, fully fit to the start of the next campaign. Um, I would have thought that Bell Bellerin's got is the man in possession I would say I don't think he's let anyone down he's done well I'd, I'd, I'd start him next season and Debussy is your backup and Debussy as well can play centre back 
Well, do, do you I think... Mean, you know, not my ideal centre-back, but he, but he would give you your fourth or fifth choice centre-back. Same as Robert Sanya, yeah, yeah, in yeah. case of urgency. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think Debussy's more, more, the, more the squad man now. And Bellerin, if he, you know, runs out of... Runs out of, or gets fatigued or whatever, or, or begins to drop off the pace. He's got competition. Surely that's what we've been crying out for. That should keep him on his game. It's an interesting one because I, I personally put Debussy in. Well, if he's fit, but the thing is, he, he seems to be. But he's got a bit of the Rositskis about him, the injury-prone thing. Um, maybe it'd be worth. I don't, it's a tough one actually I, I, I like Debussy when I see him I think he's very solid and he might have a bit more experience than Bellerin I think Bellerin is a little green behind the ears sometimes when you get a, a bit of class running at you down that wing and he sometimes just completely loses it whereas Debussy I think is a more all round finished player and Bellerin's still in the academy yeah and I think you know I think that's a fair comment Bellerin's you know still young um, but I, th- I would still believe you learn more playing than you do sitting on the bench watching and, and, and on our training ground I don't think you learn a lot at all but I wouldn't be surprised Arsenal being Arsenal again the way that we work as a business would be with Jenkinson coming back from West Ham after a great season there Chambers being um, uh, you know, not, not a terrible third choice right back if Paris Saint-Germain were going to do what they did with David Luiz last summer and throw us £20 million for a 30 year old right back I wouldn't be surprised if Fenger drove him all the way to Ashford you know mm. wouldn't be surprised Okay. Um, Dougie Gazzola also tweeted a question has the emergence of Coquelin made Wenger reconsider a possible summer move for a true holding midfielder i.e. Schneiderlin you have not I, th- I think you know Coquelin's obviously done great and, 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 and his emergence in the team gave us the, the kickstart that we needed in January um, is he the player we want is there better out there? Absolutely. Um, you know, and again, I'd say Cochrane's man in possession, fine. But what happens when he gets injured, which is almost inevitable, um, without with our injury record, then then what? We're, 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 we're suddenly back to Chambers or Flamini or Arteta or whoever's there next season. Um, let's go out and let's give him competition. Let's give him a serious backup, and let's give us the option of playing two holding midfield players when we're away to Barcelona or whoever it might be. Um, whether Schneiderlin's the answer mm. is maybe a different matter. I think that's a different question. But I, I, I'm still saying go out and get another defensive-minded midfield player. Totally concur with that. Do you do you think that there might be a situation where Wenger would play two defensive midfielders in the same starting lineup? Well, he's, he, I mean, I don't know whether you could say Vieira and Petit were both, def- but they were actually. Well, Petit way, started yeah. as a centre back. Exactly. So, I mean, he's done it before. In fact, uh, his most successful team of all time did that. So, why not? You know, if it occurs to him again, he might just have lost that particular brain cell along the way. He seems to have lost one or two, um, which you do when you get a bit older, Mr. Wenger. With all due respect. Well, I think I think what we did with Vieira and Petit, Vieira could drive you forward as well. He, he had the defensive mind; you could drive you forward. If you could find a player that could do that. Well, I think Coquelin is improved, his passing's improving. I mean, he had an almost faultless final, didn't he? He um, played the ball wide to 
Was it was it Walcott that set up the first goal? First goal, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, nice. right. Really That's nice, cool. nice. Yeah, uh, yeah no, I mean Cockerland is getting stronger and stronger, and I, I would say yes, get back up for him, but he is in possession, and I would say we we've only got one cock basically. <laughs> Sorry, are you allowed to say that? What, what would have happened if Jack Wilshire would have sung that yesterday? Noel Quinn's heard you said that. He's very disappointed oh. here between the 16th and 17th holes in oh. Trinidad. Yes, that's right. Uh, okay, well, um, obviously uh, winning the FA Cup, second season running, uh, pushing up in the table. Um, Sean, our Twitter handle, SeanMacca5, uh, asks, is this as good as it gets under Wenger? I mean, basically... Can we actually win the title? I think is is what he's saying. Is Arsenal going to win another title? Do you, you are encouraged sufficiently? I I, I I say this every year, but ask me again on the second of September. Because let's face it, I'm not saying it just because it's the transfer window opening. Well, it opened yesterday actually, first uh, of June. Um, but um, look, Chelsea they they were what they were. They were what 12, 13 points better than us. Um, and the two times they played us, they held us at arm's length, you know. So we, and they're going to go out and buy two or three players this summer. And we, I, I unfortunately have to agree with what Henri said, um, which was um, we've got a very good team, but we take the Chelsea spine into ours in a heartbeat in terms of goalkeeper, centre half, central midfielder, um, centre forward, because ours are good, but they're not the very best. If we went out, we gave ourselves a huge chance and we bought that world class spine that A, we need. Uh, B, we can afford, then, oh dear Christ, you know, we've got a huge chance. If, if we don't, unfortunately, that would suggest it's Wenger, still being Wenger, uh, and, you know, if, you can only put so much faith in youth, you know, with all due respect to Arson, you've only got three years left in yourself at the very most, so, you know, get the 28th, 29th, 30th year out of, you know, a, a, a prime world-class player. But I beg to differ, Mr. Rudo. Okay. to opinion, sir. I, I think that this team is maturing. I don't think that it's it's as youthful as all that anymore. It's started, it's showing signs now, uh, certainly in the, the latter half of this season, and needless to say the FA Cup final, of uh, being a team that knows what it's doing um, for a change. It can defend, it can distribute the ball well, it can score goals. Um, and I think we're, we are on, on a, a, another progression. I would be surprised now if we weren't second or better next season. I'm not saying we're going to win the league, but I think we could certainly take on the big boys. We, we've, we've proven we can beat Man City away. You know, we can beat Man United away, albeit in the cup. We can beat, you know, we can beat teams. Now, I think we can beat Chelsea. In fact, I'm going to lay it all down on the line now and predict a, a, a charity shield victory for the Arsenal because I think it's very difficult, as we know, to defend a league championship. Not many teams do that. Not many teams win it and come back. There's always a kind of a hmm, hangover. You know, a bit like when our Arsenal won the World Cup last season. You know, little hangover. Um, oh, I hate to say this, but uh, in the last ten years, Chelsea and Manchester United have both managed to retain the title once each. Yeah. No, Manchester United actually won it three years in a row. Oh. Okay. Well, um, in that case, there goes my theory. <laughs> <laughs> but I, no, I, I think that we'll certainly look, we'll certainly close the gap on Chelsea. I would like to think we would uh, if we get a decent start to the season again. Now we can't have another woeful. Start. You know, you always have a little dip in form at some point. Uh, and Chelsea kind of freakishly didn't. They, even when they did, they didn't lose their top spot. Yeah, I mean Chelsea. Chelsea picked in the second half of the season, and I think I think if you look at the, the team lineup they had, it's Mourinho stuck with the same eleven pretty much religiously. 
he didn't. There wasn't any messing around, unless it was you know, Costa obviously missed a lot of games. Um, but you know, typical Mourinho style, he would go into games without a striker um, and and just the bus at the back. But um, but they, they did have a dip, but they were so far in the over the horizon by then it didn't really make any difference um, I, I tend to agree with Basti with it, that we'll get closer next year I think I think we've got a lot of ground to make up you know 12 points is a, is a, is a chunk if we can get three or four points and take it until the last week of the season then then that would that for me would be real progress next year but um, can we do that I think that's a big question I think to David's point the transfer market what we do in the, the, over the summer will will, de- will really uh, drive that well, I do think that happens. the second half we had two we'd had two seasons this season we had the first half Chesney and goal and uh, uh, no Coquelin we had the second half Ospina and goal Coquelin suddenly things changed you know there was a ripple effect from the back of Spina he might not be the best goalkeeper in the world but he has a very reassuring kind of presence and I do feel like the fans took to him although we were Spina I mean how was Chesney feeling when they're all you know, we all took to Ospina, didn't we? Um, uh, and he just seems to, and he had, his record proves it. If you look at how many goals he's conceded since he's been in and compare that to Chesney, I don't even have to look at the stats. I know it's better, you know. Um, Do we think um, Chesney is on his way? I mean, there is a general belief that Petr Cech will be coming. Well, if he does, he's on his way, isn't he? You think Chesney's yeah. going to be the one to go? Apparently, there's, there's a huge rumour I've heard from lots of different people actually that um, with Fraser Forster being out for a year uh, with a bad ACL injury Southampton do need a goalkeeper at least a year unfortunately for us we will be stuck with Chesney contractually for another three or four years because he's on four and a half million pounds a year about 80 or 90 grand a week so I wouldn't be surprised if it's a typical Arsenal thing gets to midnight on 30 September Chesney goes to um, Southampton on a year's loan with a view to a permanent transfer and we split the wages 50-50 I wouldn't be surprised if that happens because that's a really nice nice trial that they get which will cost them just two million pounds and um, well if ultimately we get Fraser Forster in return that would be the best thing ever wouldn't it? Well, <laughs> well uh, if he replaces Petr Cech I'm not <laughs> sure um, but uh, are we all agreed then that Petr Cech is a, it would be a good move? I think so. He's got to be worth, he's got to be worth tw- he's, he's, a, he's a bit like a Schmeichel or a Seaman. He is a top world class keeper who will be worth 12 points a year. I think I mean, Man United losing to Haya, that's going to be a big one. Well, I think when Man United, do you remember when Manchester United got Edwin van der Sar from Fulham? Everyone went, oh, he's too old, he's 34. And I think the six years they got out of him were the best six years of his career, weren't they? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I mean, you know, for those of us with older memories, we'll go back when we got Pat Jennings. Exactly, yeah. You know, I mean, I remember seeing Pat Jennings at my debut, actually. It's my first ever away game at Ipswich. He made his debut and we lost one nil and it rained heavily. <laughs> it but, but, you know, wh- how many years he played? Well, he played six years through to the Walsall game, which was 83. But those six years, mm. up until the Walsall game, we, um, actually, was, was it Walsall Oxford? He let one in at Oxford, I remember. I think but anyway, you know, that, they were great years and, and, and he gave us he gave that whole defence the solidity which which and the confidence. A bit like, you know, you've said Ospina's taken us a notch up, Czech would take it another notch or two. Yeah. But um, no one's as good as Jimmy Rimmer, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Jimmy Rimmer, no. listeners? <laughs> right, uh, Sean also asks, for a bit of a prediction here, who will our big signing be? Um, assuming there is another marquee-style Ozil-Alexis-Sanchez arrival. Uh, do we think there will be one? And if so, how about a prediction? 
Well, I don't think it should be in uh, a Sanchez or Ozil position because we, we've got an embarrassment of riches in that sort of player. Well, there's an argument that we, we are looking for a centre-forward. That's a different position. Right. <laughs> that might not be a bad thing. That or, you know, one hell of a, uh, a cockerland position. Uh, you know, someone... I mean, who's good at all that? Who knows what's going on outside Arsenal? Because I don't. Well, I mean, uh, Kadira would be an example of a player of that status, but I suspect his injury record means we won't, we won't pay the money. I suspect his injury record means he's guaranteed nailed on. Yeah, I mean, I... Th- I, th- I I, I, I'm not sure I see a big marquee signing this year. Not not in the 30 million plus category. I can see a couple of 20 million cap ones. Who? I don't know. I mean, Schneider into the name. You know, and I've already said I'm not 100% convinced by him. Um, for me, you know, what we've got to do is you've got to upgrade on what we've got. You know, if we went into next season with the same staff in 11. You kind of go, well, oh, that's all right, but really, you know, you just want to improve on that and keep what we've got mm. in the main. You know, I'm sure there'll be a few outs, you know, and there'll be, uh, you know, the likes of Flamini, um, Arteta, don't know, you know, some of the players that have been out on loan, you'd you think won't be seen again at Arsenal. Um, I have to say, if, if we sign Czech and no one else, I probably wouldn't be unhappy. Really? Even though we are awash with cash? We should spend more than that, but but I see Czech has been such a key position, or goalkeeper has been such a key position, mm-hmm. and I think that can have a knock-on effect. You know, I think we've got, if you look at the full-backs, you've got Monreal and Gibbs at left-back. Could we do better? Yes, probably, but I don't see it as an urgent. Right, right-backs, we've got enough, you know, we've got four choices when Jenkinson comes back. Centre-backs, you know, are they all, could we do better? Yes, we probably could, but actually the four we've got could all do a job. Cochrane's been doing all right. We've got, and further forward than that, you know, we've got an embarrassment of riches. So I think we could upgrade. We could upgrade on all of them, yeah. but or most of them. I think the area that the I'm one the one that I see as being most key is Galpin. The area I'd look at, one that springs to mind. I think Gibbs has not been on great form, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think that Monreal has been a, a, a major improver. There were rumours of him recently possibly going back to Spain. Um, He's come out today and declared that he wants to stay and wants a new contract. Good. Well, I'm happy to hear that because I think he is certainly an improver. And he's he's becoming pretty solid and winning that that role. But I think, you know, there will be injuries uh, over a long season. And Gibbs is all right. And I like Gibbs. And he's, you know, he's a gooner and everything. But I'm just wondering if he's strong enough, really. He doesn't doesn't strike me as someone... He's, he's not taking players on anymore and getting crosses in like he was um, earlier. Uh, I, in my opinion, he's, he's a little bit of a weak link there. And also, well, this will bring us on to a later question. But, um, I, 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 sometimes I've got little question marks and people will shoot me down over this. Uh, Ramsey's not had a great season for me. Um, uh, I, I know he's got it in him, but maybe just every second season he has a great season, so we should keep him for next season. Yeah. Well, that is a later question, but I'm going to put another one to you right now, which is, let's say for the sake of argument, that a contract agreement with Theo is not reached. Uh, should the club sell, or should they just hang on to him for six months, or, or let him go at the end of the year for nothing? I think he, well, look, he's 26. He's going to be 27 when his contract expires, and uh, his game is about 85% pace. 
so it's going to be the last big contract of his career and it's whether football or the, the long time future of his family and their well-being is his priority um, and in fairness he's a very very articulate player and he probably he looks at things outside of his profession so look if we were to offer him £150,000 a week on a three year contract that's one thing but if Liverpool even though they're a lesser club were to offer him 150 or 160 on a five year contract practically I wouldn't be surprised if he takes that um, Personally, I, I, I mean, let, let's face it, it would be in everyone's best interest. If an agreement's not done by the middle of August, we've got to find a replacement for him long term as well as short term. Would, you know, a lot of the papers are saying do a straight swap deal with with Liverpool, what, 15 million plus Walcott for Sterling? I wouldn't touch him with a borrowed cock in fairness, um, let alone anything else. Um, but personally, I wouldn't be surprised if we got hold of uh, Nikhil Fabir from uh, from Lyon. He's exactly the same player as Walcott, but A, he's cheaper, B, he's French, and he's got two feet. Uh, he's basically the Primark version of Sanchez. But, you know, um, I wouldn't be surprised that happens. But in answer, in direct answer to your question, uh, contracts got to be signed by the middle of August, otherwise a, sh- a very quick and probably, you know, quite expensive shuffle will be done, but that's the way that Richard Law does transfers. Would you like Theo to reach agreement with the club? Ideally, yeah. I, I, I still really like him. Um, and um, you know, uh, perhaps Wenger got lucky again with him in the sense that he thought, oh, you know, Giroud's played too much football. I'll give him a week off before we play the FA Cup final. Turns him up against West Brom. And dear God, I don't know what Walcott that was, but we'll him every week. And that made Wenger think, well, hang on, if we play 4 2 3 1, which we will. I always thought the one's role was just holding the ball up and bringing others into the game. But this guy shows me, if I sort of get Ozil to play those balls through channels, this very quick little guy will run onto them, finish straight away and score goals. I'll try that in the cup final next week. How will that... Oh, we've scored. Ah, interesting. So maybe Wenger's now got an active plan B, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking it myself, so everyone's best interest. Sign him up. I'd be worried if we, if we went into next season with Walcott with Wenger thinking Walcott can play centre to striker. Because I don't think he can. I think you know against the likes of West Brom, against the likes of Villa, you can get away with it, especially when we are on song. Um, against the likes of Man City, Chelsea, Chelsea wouldn't give him a kick. Oh, I agree. You know, so um, he's but, a plan B. But I think. To, to, I, you know, would I want to keep him? Yes. Would I want to pay 150 grand a week, which is what you suggested? No. That's a going rate, sadly. <laughs> well, I'm not sure it is, Ted Walker. I, th- I, think, I think last time he was in the position of strength, wasn't he? Where we were Sal Van Persie, Fabregas had gone. Walcott was our last crown jewel at that point. And if we'd have let him go, there'd have been, there'd have been riots outside. Mm. Um, and God knows why. But, uh, um, so so we, he got whatever he got, 100 grand a week probably then. Um, now I think the boots on the other foot, and it's like, well, Theo, if you want to stay, we're the team that you want to, you should stay with. We'll give you 100 grand a week again. Sign here, otherwise, you've been, you're, 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 you can go to the wastelands of Liverpool. I think we should give him a week by week contract so that he plays like he did against West Brom at the FA Cup final because he always seems to play well when he's got a contract coming up but also I mean to be fair to Theo he was playing well when he got injured against Tottenham um, and uh, he got a nasty injury there. so I remember him being taken off at that match and just thinking oh shit because he was just really flying that game um, and He's a good player. I think he is a good player, and he has had his moments of like poor crossing, bad finishing, this, that, and the other. But also, I think he is maturing as a player mentally and, uh, and probably physically too. He's finding his strength and at age 27, 28, 29. I think we could get three very good years out of him, and he's going to make less mistakes. You know, it's 
talking as a five-a-side Theo Walcott myself, or probably more of a crouch. Um, you get, you do actually mentally. You, 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 when you're around 30, you start making a lot mes less mistakes. You do less silly things. You play for the team more. You're more pitch aware. And I think he's he's at that age now. I think we should definitely hang on to him. Okay. Um, I mean, the only thing I'd say is that with the new TV deal, wages generally are going to go up. So Theo's agents will be mindful of that. Um, uh, am I correct in saying his agent is David Dean's son? Uh, it might be. I, okay. I, I, Darren. I'm not sure. Darren, yeah, Darren. Darren, the estate agent from Hampstead, as he once was. Um, yeah. Right, okay, well, I'm going I'm to do this one uh, with a yes or no answer. It's from uh, email from a Bobby Vertigo, which is a fantastic name. Again, I'm not convinced uh, it's real, but uh, we like it. And a simple yes or no will suffice. Do you envisage the club spending an even greater net sum this coming summer than last year's record 65 million? Yes or no, David? No! That's no. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll pick the odd one out then and go yes. Okay. Partly because I don't think... Quite, I know you only want a yes or no. no but partly no. because I don't think we'll get transfer fees in. If we do, I do, they'll be low. So. I would be happy with 62 or 63 million. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the undeniable thing, I think, is that other clubs will spend the TV money. Well, that's yeah. the way, also, the FFP rules are being revoked, aren't they? So Manchester City can throw Etihad's money at anything. Yeah, so really. that'd be the, the... I mean, there are rumours today that uh, Napoli are willing to make uh, Higuain available for 50 million euros. I mean, with Haggles right down to 48... Uh, Man City will probably throw 60 just for the fucking sake of it, you know. Yeah, well, Tottenham will be spending it on their new stadium, won't they? <laughs> is that going ahead? Apparently yeah, so. Yeah. So yes. that, that's them out of the way for another yeah. six years. Does, so here's to another thing. 20 years of joy. By the way, didn't, didn't I didn't share it on the last podcast. I don't think I knew. But, yes, did you know that if you had a uh, double or quits bet with a Tottenham Hotspur fan, 20 years ago and you put a tenner on it and he went no double or quits and you did that for 20 years it would be over 10 million pounds goodness get a calculator out and try it for yourself just keep doubling 10, 10 pounds 20, 40, 80 it actually turns into I think it's 10 million 408 uh, 54,000 pounds over 20 years so that's one to tell all your Tottenham fans and, uh, somehow I suspect they wouldn't pay up I don't know why <laughs> um, ok so um Next up, we're going to uh, start moving into the survey territory because at this time of the year, we put out the end-of-season Gap Guna survey. It'll be online this season, Mike, roughly? Probably by the weekend, so Hopefully weekend the after the cup final. We're going to discuss some of the, uh, the more um, uh, famous categories, the, uh, the ones we normally start with. Uh, it does tie in with a tweet from Adam, Adam Haylock, and he says, who is the star of the year and who is the flop of the year? So let's do with the player of the season first. Um, Mike has devised a short list, but I don't think we need to uh, go through that. Uh, let's just have a name. For me, it has to be Sanchez. He's been unstoppable. OK, and a second after him, a runner-up? Oh, um, oh, 
I, w- I would say, uh, oh, I'm torn between Coquelin and Cazorla in the sense that I think since Coquelin came back from Chelsea, he's been brilliant, but that was that's only been the second half of the season, essentially. Cazorla's been here all year, and for the start of the season, it was quite iffy. And then around about the same time, again, we got injuries, and Wenger kind of got lucky in the sense that I suppose I'll have to play him as one of the, the two central midfielders. Oh, Christ, he's brilliant. Having said that, I mean, Cazorla's been great there, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take Cazorla over Coquelin in that order. Um, Basti, do you concur with Alexis Azar? Yes, Sanchez has been. Uh, uh, he's, he's had a little quiet patch at the end, but everyone's entitled to that. And I think he was he was probably overplayed a bit. I mean, because he's so keen, it's like he wants to turn up. You, you sort of knock him over, and he bounces back, and he just he's a street fighting man, isn't he? He just wants to keep on going. Uh, I think Wenger ought to have rested him a little bit against uh, those last matches, the one the Swans that we lost at home, and uh, that you know. Um, um, Do you think yes. there's something in his contract which says if he wants to play, he starts again? Wouldn't surprise me. But well, I think that's a silly thing to have in a contract because a manager's got to be able to say, look, he's got to be able to rest a player. I mean, you know, that's. Well, maybe after the Barcelona experience, part of the reason he, he came to Arsenal was because he wanted to be the main man. So he might have said to his agents, I'm completely. Blue sky here. Yeah, I, I, I can see. I can see that the evidence might point to that, but I just I can't imagine Wenger is the type of person that would agree to that. Mm, yeah. We know how stubborn Wenger is on on, on, on minuscule matters, so um, that that sounds to me like something we wouldn't go for. But uh, apart from that, um, run a very close runner-up actually. Although he did only have half the season, I would go for Cockerland because I think he's made such a difference. And uh, yeah. Okay, Mike, I suspect when the votes come in, um, Sanchez will be number one, but would you vote for him I as think well? Sanchez is the runaway winner, I think, you know, to, we ask the question because we have to, Yes. Uh, it's traditional, yeah. <laughs> um, and the, the only thing w- which remains open to question is what bigger percentage he'll get. Yes, okay, so uh, a runner-up? I'd, I'd probably go agree with David and go kiss all that, I think. But, uh, but I think Cockman is probably the only other one that comes into the reckoning for me. It will be interesting to see the votes. Right, well, uh, most disappointing player is a bit more interesting. And, and Basti, you've already had an opinion on this. Would you care to expand? I can't remember who it was. Who was it? It said Rambo. Rambo. Oh, yes, that's right. Ramsey, sorry, yes. Yeah, I, I think because of his... Um, I mean, is he the most disappointing? Um... Well, I'd, you know, if you're taking away Arteta's and Flamini's and people who I don't really think are actually in the same... Well, you didn't expect much from them in the first place. Well, that's right. So they're not disappointing. They're probably just... You, you don't expect that much of them. Um, I'm disappointed Rosicki spent as much time on the bench as he did because I think, actually, I mean, his goal against Brighton was just a complete cracker. He's come, there were times where, against lesser opposition, you want to bring him on. Um, so I was a bit disappointed with Wenger on that front, but I'm a person, personally a big Thomas Rosicki fan. But I think Ramsey certainly underachieved this season, uh, missed a lot of chances that he really should have put away, a lot of inexplicable wayward passing that just sort of went, you know, it, I hate to say it, it reminded me of Vieira's pass to Giggs that time in Villa. Sorry to bring that up everyone, they were showing it all weekend, weren't they? But, um, Ramsey did. Ramsey's been doing a, a, a too much of that sort of thing. Um, I love him. I think he's a great player, but I think he's underachieved this season. It, he's not been, as Wenger says, mentally strong enough. Would you say that he is less of a liability playing on the right side of attack? Possibly. Okay. But he's a lot more effective in the middle. Mm. 
I don't think he's anywhere near as effective as Well, I think now Wilshire's putting his foot in there again and saying and having that burst of pace. There's another thing that we're missing with, with Wilshire and uh, Walcott out. With just Rambo and that, that Rambo's not really burst of play, pace player. And, and we've got all these players. Like if, you, if you look at Ozil, Ramsey, Cazorla, Cazorla does a lot. The thing that stopped me voting for Cazorla was the fact that he, he tends to stutter. And he's about to shoot and he's like, oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And he, he sort of then doesn't shoot and passes it wide or, or sometimes loses it. And I think we do need either that burst of pace that Wilshire or Walcott offer us as well as those really skillful look like another thing Ramsey does he tends to take on a player when he needs him and Cazorla does that too and so does Ozil they tend to lose the ball a lot by showing how good they are to uh, a certain defender who then robs the ball off them and we lose possession so I think yeah I think that's overly harsh I think I mean I've got the advantage of having my season ticket in, in the upper tier so I do get to see the fact that there is very little movement a lot of the time and there's kind of like this unwritten discipline in the sense that you don't knock the ball past players and take them on at all you only run with the ball you've got nobody to pass to I mean it's a sheer sensibility thing I mean there's this theory that uh, Wenger tells his players only do something if you're at least 80% certain of it coming off which is why nobody shoots from outside the box because you've got a distance and three defenders let's pass it in because everything's more certain I think Ramsey I think all of our players apart from Sanchez who's, who's on crack or something they, nobody likes running at players because they're not certain it's going to come off so they try and pass it and Ramsey only took players on to another pass yeah I mean you've got to take risks and I mean, Sanchez obviously does that a lot and the players who take risks obviously now and again when it comes off wow isn't it great and then when it doesn't you've lost the ball and you look like a plonker but I suppose you've got to, you've got to have a go haven't you well, the, the goal in the cup final, there's many times that shot's been attempted by a number of players yeah. and ended up very high and uh, wide. Because yeah, all it does that quite a lot in our own half when it's, it's a bit too deep to be doing that and you don't want to be giving the ball away there. It's all right doing that, you know, up in front of their penalty area. But all this sort of this twisting and turning around the player, I've got the ball, I've got the ball, I'm going to turn this player. When there's a perfectly good pass on, you know, give and go instead of uh, taking the whole thing on by yourself. Um, David, um, most disappointed player for you? Uh, for me, Danny Welbeck. Um, he's the new Sylvan Wiltor. I mean, we essentially bought him um, to be um, the direct replacement for Giroud as and when he gets injured. And lo and behold, Giroud goes and breaks his leg straight away. And Welbeck show he doesn't he doesn't quite fit in there. I mean, the way that we always play with our four two three one, he doesn't quite fit in. He's not the the lone centre forward in the role that Wenger always wanted him to play, holding the ball up for, to bring the other three or five. Uh, into play he can't play on the right hand side because he hated playing there for Manchester United um, I'm not saying he's a bad player I mean, he's a great athlete he's very well built but he doesn't quite fit and I, I, like I say I'm convinced he's the new Wilson exactly the same player would you say he's more of a 4-4-2 man I think so they both have something in common they both scored at Old Trafford didn't they, <laughs> they say rather they important goals so do you know what <laughs> good old, good on you Danny and good on you Sil Sylvain well, Mike's initial shortlist for this category was Kieran Gibbs, Jack Wilshire, Olivier Giroud, and Aaron Ramsey. Would you pick one, Mike? No. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, part of the reason, and I think to, to, to Basti's point, is it's about, in my view, this question is about what did you expect from them at the start of the season and did they live up to that high? You know, you could all go, well, Flamini was disappointing, but well, if you had a high, if you thought Flamini was going to be much better than what he did, then, then I think you were sadly misled at the start of the season. I say I thought Gibbs was really going to move on this year. I, I, I you know, at the beginning of the season, I thought I think his injury problems are hopefully behind him. 
I did think he's got the power to get forward and run as Basti mentioned earlier we've not really seen that Monreal overlaps more than Gibbs does um, certainly more danger Welsh had the injuries um, Giroud you know I, I, I still like Giroud personally so you know he's on the list because I know I, I read the comments on the on the Aguna website and uh, there seems to be a majority that don't like him on there <laughs> I'm, I don't agree with Ramsey at all but well, but I can see, I, I can see the point. Passes, but I, yeah, and that's the point. I can, I can see why people will go. He had a fantastic year last year. If he does the same again, well, he's not hit those yeah, heights. No, I think last yeah. year was, yeah, he's was disappointed. Was he's disappointed himself. If you ask yeah, him, yeah. although he did get yeah. another Arsenal injury in the middle of the season, which was supposed to be two weeks, which became two and a half months. Well, so the guy good. probably came back shitting himself. Wouldn't blame him. And Giroud's got the best song, I reckon. <laughs> that's a good reason to uh, one word answer on the next one most improved player Mike I think that's an easy one I think that's Cochrane although I do think Monreal ran it once in close yeah. best near here second lap yeah yeah Cochrane ok alright so next uh, category is the best performance now I'll give you the short list uh, put together by Mike and it could be a different game but uh, here's the suggested uh, matches 4-1 away at Galatasaray 4-1 at home against Newcastle 2-0 away against Man City 5-0 at home against Villa 2-1 away in the FA Cup uh, Manchester United 4-1 uh, against Liverpool at home and the FA Cup final itself uh, pick one out for me, Basti. Uh, one, it's got to be the FA Cup final. I know it's just the day before yesterday or whatever, but um, or two days ago. But I, of all those, it was just such a glorious exhibition of joy, and even in a final as well. Just a, you know, it's it, untouchable for me. Uh, yes, Man City obviously springs to mind um, as as another one. The mere fact that it was Man City away. And, and Villa are not Man City, so obviously, in a way, it's a lot more to be Man City. But Cup final, that was come on. What, what do we want, guys? What, why are we in this? You know, it's you know that it was just a dream performance, and um, yeah, hands down, Aston Villa four 0 FA Cup final. David. Um, yeah, but for different reasons. I mean, they, they were two very good games. I mean, as mentioned earlier, the performance in the cup final, I think that was our, our best performance in the sense we would have beaten anyone. We were fantastic going forward, incredibly solid at the back. Um, the Manchester City game, like I said um, earlier, there was this mini mutiny, I suppose, amongst the players saying, Arsenal, they're going to throw everything at us, and, and if we throw it back at them, they will beat us. We need to um, try and defend rigidly. And that was when Coquelin really came into his own. And that was a, that was a very, very belligerent performance. And um, um, you know, it was like having Gal Gandalf at the back. They shall not pass uh, over and over again. But for me personally, I'll take the two-one away win at Man United in the FA Cup because it's a cup tie. It's one night only. Sod the replay thing. United had their best team out, and Rooney for me is is one of the the top three players in this league. Certainly top five in Europe. I, I think he's superb. But we withheld him for most of the game, save, save for one goal he got. And uh, you know, it's a cup tie. That's for everything. But dear God, we looked hard that day. Okay. Slight error for the, the winning goal, but who cares? We we took advantage of it in score. But yeah, I remember finishing that game, clenching the fist, saying, "Well, fucking come on, we can do this." Yes, yeah, right the way. Your most disappointing player scored that goal, didn't he? Yeah, well, yeah. I didn't say he was a bad player. Just that he disappointed me more than any other. Didn't that night? 
Right, so uh, well, one swallow does not make a summer. Mike, uh, your selection? Yeah, no, I've got to agree. I'll, I'll go to the FA Cup final. I, I mean, I went f- when I went through the, the, all the games and just picking out the shortlist. I thought there were some good performances, but I think um, you know the, the Villa one was the most complete. The Man United one, I agree with David, was, was probably the most um, important in some ways that a non-trophy winning game can be. Um, Man City was a good one as well. But yeah, there, there were some good performances, but I think Villa tops a lot. Um, just a yes or no on this. Uh, would you trade the FA Cup final win? Uh, let's say Arsenal finished fifth instead of third, okay? Would you say you'd rather Arsenal win the Champions League next season or won the FA Cup on Saturday? David? Crikey, give me Sophie's choice. Um, 21st century football, third place for me. Okay, that's the irrelevant question. Refuse to answer it on the grounds that it is completely <laughs> null and void. Thanks for being a great panellist. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have you back. We won um, the FA Cup and we're third. Well, silly question. But really? if Arsenal got relegated, I'd, I'd, I'd take David's point about the money, but I'd always take the trophy first. Indeed. That's the popular. You're a better person than <laughs> I know this. I know this. <laughs> yes, indeed. Right, so. Um, I mean, we don't want to bring the tone of the thing down, but uh, he has uh, put this question in, the worst performance. Uh, I'll run through some candidates for you. Borussia Dortmund away, 2-0 defeat. The two matches against Anderlecht, we won 2-1 over there, uh, 3-3 at home. The two matches against Swansea, both defeats, 2-1 there, 1-0 at home. 2-2 away to Liverpool, 2-0 away at Southampton, 2-1 at Spurs, and home to Monaco, 3-1. Pick one of those. I, I, have, to say, I, I have to say, when I was going through this, there, there were a couple in there that I could have put in, and I was like going, crikey, there, there was a lot of bad performances. Um, you know, And I was picking games like the Anderlecht away game, which we won. I was going like... When was the last time I, I said that was a, that was a diabolical performance? Made, when Andalus. we scored the same goal, I remember standing up waving yes, my finger, saying, "You lucky, lucky, lucky bastard!" Oh, that was so and, bad. And Liverpool was a similar one. Even though we, we, you know, at the end of the game, they equalised in the 90th minute or whatever, and we went, "Oh, you know." Frankly, a draw was the best we deserved. Um, but for me, Southampton was—I don't know whether it was just because it was, was it New Year's Day. Yeah, yes. I don't know whether that, that didn't help. Might not have a bit of a hangover, but awful, but. That, yeah. but God, that was bad. David? Um, oh, crikey. Um, yeah, the, the Southampton game was terrible. We, we didn't turn up at all. Um, again, looking at the way that they turned out this year, drawing away at Leicester City at the time, we were thinking that was a good result, but no, we, they weren't very good. But for me personally, the Liverpool away game, uh, that was the worst game I've seen this season. Um, They've been a bad side all season, Liverpool, and, and Brenda Rogers, bless her, the way she talks about her team being the greatest thing. Yeah, according to him, they've got 57 world-class players at the moment, um, but they were there for the taking. Anyone would have beaten them. They couldn't pass to each other. They changed their formation 14 times, but we couldn't beat them at all. And um, even when they equalised in the last minute of injury time, it was well-deserved. And uh, Yeah, I didn't frown. Because, uh, yeah, that's how bad the performance it was. Liverpool, a team that I don't like at all, scored an equaliser against us in the last minute, had the cup going mad, and I thought that was service for it. One from you, Each one of these puts a dagger through my heart, I've got to say. Um, I, uh, Tottenham was the most disappointing because they were there for the taking. And, w- and we really, you know, they're not that good. And we really we really ought to have beaten them. And we just didn't have enough. So that, of that hurt probably the most. Um, 
and a left at home as well was just so needless. It was just such an. I, I've really got to hold Arsene Wenger responsible for that. I, he brought on Podolski and Rosicki with uh, what was it, 20 minutes to go or half an hour to go or something, and and it was just the, such the wrong move to do. You know, we were we were pretty much home and dry. Um, yeah, just. Uh, and Swansea as well at home actually which isn't here is it oh yes it is there is yeah Sw I mean Swansea at home just needless needless didn't need to lose that did we play Cockerland that game I don't think we did I think I think we might have but the interesting one is Cockerland did also play at Southampton oh, it was one of his early games right so yeah okay. him that. also another issue forget the Monaco game uh, a, a team whose star player was Dimitar Berbatov yeah, yeah that was painful. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, unfortunately all these games now if we can win these, these sort of games next season, games that we play badly in, like the Liverpool one, Anderlecht one, we end up drawing, you know, but effectively Anderlecht was a, a loss. You know, those are games, we, ne we need to, you know, that team that turned out for the FA Cup and decided not to stand back, you know, like Swansea, we turned up, just, it was like we were wearing high heels and in very muddy conditions and no, no one was up for it. Uh, if we were up for it, we could beat anyone. It, it, we've got to want it, you know, and those sort of games, all those games we lost there or didn't get the result we needed was down to, it was, yes, lack of the famous mental strength that Wenger goes on about so much. Well, moving on to a happier note, uh, goal of the season. Um, can I assume that we're all going to go for the uh, Sanchez goal in the FA Cup final? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no. no. All right, come no. on, Mike. My one's Ramsey against Galatasaray. Right. Oof. I, th I thought, you know, Ram Sanchez's goal was fantastic. Goal. I have to say, there are a lot of very good goals. If you get a chance, watch a video that is 106 goals, I believe. There are 25 which are top draw. We'll put the link. I don't think we'll put the we'll link, put the link on in the survey. survey. I don't think they'd all win match of the day goal of the season. Although if they're Arsenal goals, who knows? Um, but yeah, Ramsey's for me against Galatasaray. I remember watching that. Just going, oh my god. Here's what a question for well, you. Well, actually, I quite, I, to be honest with you, I quite like Podolski's goal against Galatasaray. Oh, yeah, It was quite, you know, somehow reminded me of Sanchez against Villa because it, it was that way it sort of like pinged in off the yeah. woodwork, you know. Did the match of a day goal of the season include FA Cup goals? No. No. It was just Premier League. No, but so. strangely, they did it when Chelsea won the league and then they did it again after oh, right. Wilshire's goal um, against uh, West Brom. Right. Right, so we are running out of time, so I will just briefly say hello to regular contributor Mark Halfpenny, who's uh, emailed a couple of questions we did not have time to get round to, so my apologies to Mark. Um, current issue with the Guna, are there any copies left, Mike? Uh, there, there's certainly a few, I've certainly got a few left, I don't know whether uh, Alex has got any left. I think he had a good, fairly good day at the parade, so not too many left, but if you wish to buy it, it's a £3 cup final special, you can get it uh, sent to you by post through uh, the website shop, or the e-edition is also available. Um, survey has stated hopefully up by this weekend, if not early next week. 
and then it's down to me to thank our hosts, Highbury Corner. Bestie is holding up a maroon shirt. That's to stop the noise from the uh, <laughs> fridge behind us. Right, okay. It's called Ambience, but never mind. <laughs> if you wish to contact us, you can tweet us at Podcast or email us at gunapodcast at gmail.com. That leaves us with time to say goodbye from our panellist, David. Uh, good night. Speak to you next season. Uh, Mustafa, a.k.a. Bastille. Your boys took one hell of a beating. And Mike. Have a good list. Have a good summer. Uh, the next podcast will be uh, once the season has kicked off sometime in August, I imagine, and there is something to talk about. This is your host, Kevin Witcher, wishing you a good summer as well, with my thanks for listening. Oh, good friends and jolly good company. Hey!